you're listening to the Professional Dork Storytelling Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Um, stories written and narrated by myself, Anne Werner. And up to this point, I've not really put a rating on any of my stories. I've not really felt the need to because, you know, I don't talk about fun, sexy nighttime activities too much or graphic violence or, or coarse language. Like, those things have just not really been a part of the narrative with, with I guess, the exception of that, that train spotting reference in that one episode. But it's not like anything crazy, racy, or inappropriate is going on in these stories. Um, but my years uh, writing fan fiction have taught me the absence of those things does not necessarily make your story appropriate for children. And also, I have a terrible, terrible sense of how to appropriately rate the level of angst in a particular story. So, um, if you have been in the habit, strangely, of using this podcast as bedtime stories for your children, um, I, I doubt it, but if you have, I encourage you to maybe pre-screen this next uh, tale. Because again, while we don't have the coarse language and hard violence and sexy fun times going on, we do talk about depression and self-harm. And before that scares you off too much, a lot of it takes place uh, before the story, like antecedent action. The character is in a much happier place of mind now. There's no blood. Nobody dies. It ends on a high note. However, the characters are going to talk a bit about it. So if you're listening around sensitive ears or you know that this is just going to ruin your day, maybe this is an episode to avoid or have somebody else check out first. If you want to hit me up in the comments on professionaldorkpodcast.blogspot.com and get more details, like, you can totally do that. I just want to give you all fair warning because, like I said, I just have a terrible sense of when the the feelings have gone just too darn dark. I don't know if I'm desensitized and heartless or broken inside or what, but but people have told me in the past that my sense of this is normal, everybody feels this way, right, is actually not correct. I really enjoyed writing this one, though, so I hope you all enjoy it, too. In tonight's tale, a young office worker is caught completely off guard when his boss suddenly decides to go through an emo goth phase. It's a two-parter called Pierce. Please enjoy part one. At 45 years old, the Gainsboro, Illinois branch manager of Oswald Implements, Raymond Jansen, suddenly and inexplicably entered into an emo goth fashion phase. What made this particularly unsettling, besides the man's age, was that he was six foot four, blessed with massive muscular shoulders, and wore his graying hair long with a passably trimmed beard. He just didn't fit the visual image of a fragile, sensitive soul. Also, it was definitely not the 90s anymore. Cody found the overall aesthetic to be both uncomfortably bizarre and completely terrifying, especially given that the man was his boss. Cody's first thought was that Jansen was making fun of him, as this new look reflected Cody's own style exactly, except that Raymond Jansen never made jokes at the expense of others. Rarely made jokes at all, in fact though he might drop a wry comment here and there. No, Jansen was quiet and aloof, not in an unkind way, but merely serious and devoted to the task at hand. 
He had a heart, Cody was sure, as his actions were ones that demonstrated consideration and deep caring, but Jansen kept that heart so close to himself that the casual observer might never notice beyond the wall of towering physique. So it was highly unlikely that Jansen would be pulling some elaborate prank on Cody. But that would make this change sincere, which was somehow more unbelievable. So Cody put on his oversized headphones, ignored sideways looks from his coworkers, and tried not to let the office drama distract him from his work. But it was difficult not to look. Where Jansen had once worn crisp white dress shirts that were indivisible from each other, now his shirts were all inky black with distinct and sometimes ornate cuffs or embroidery. Flashes of silver jewelry could be seen. Sometimes he wore gloves or painted his fingernails black. Jansen's long hair, once kept in a tight ponytail, now hung loose with only a small section tied back to keep it out of his face. On one occasion, Cody delivered a report to his office and saw the man was wearing eyeliner. This all was not so odd in and of itself. After all, Cody himself dressed very similarly. His own hair was dyed black and just long enough to pull into a small ponytail, but leaving heavy bangs to hide most of his face. Behind each ear hung twin braids, very thin and dangling well past his collarbone though he usually pulled them back and wound them around the ponytail while at work. He wore a conservative shirt and tie, yes, but he was never without studded wristbands or pendants to accent the look, and makeup if he was feeling especially brave. But Cody was used to being the outlier, the strange circus freak in a crowd of normals, and this was Raymond Jansen. The world felt as if it had tilted slightly off its axis. And that feeling doubled when Jansen approached him one day, causing the entire office to stop and stare. Cody gulped and removed his headphones. He stared up at the obelisk of a man who now hovered beside his desk, wondering what possible business Jansen could have with him. Cody's job at this company was to input numbers into spreadsheets. Nothing more, nothing less. They were in the business of supplying pens and pencils, but all Cody saw were numbers and statistics. He received data, he organized it, he dropped the results off to others. He rarely interacted with Jansen directly, too low on the totem pole for it to be necessary, and an extended conversation was rarer still. They orbited the same space, occasionally crossed paths, but never truly talked. So Cody's first thought was that he must be in trouble. He willed his hands to stop shaking as he waited for Jansen to speak. His hands were always betraying him, one way or another. Cody pulled a little at his dark wristbands and swallowed. Yes, boss? Jansen's face was, as always, impassable and all business. There is a musical event this weekend, the Graveside Vigil, he said, and Cody's mouth twitched to hear it described as a musical event. Have you heard of it? Yes, Cody replied. He'd bought his ticket months ago, had been looking forward to it all year, but he didn't dare say so because he still couldn't figure out Jansen's game. The older man didn't seem to mind the monosyllabic response. Are there any bands you're particularly looking forward to? And Cody stared, eyes wide, mouth nearly falling open. His thoughts felt like they were moving through sludge, 
trying to come up with an appropriate answer that was still vague enough to move the conversation along, because no one ever knew what he was talking about anyway. They only asked to be polite. But as the seconds ticked by, he realized that Jansen actually wanted an answer. Um, stab the rainbow, he mumbled, ignoring the snort from his co-worker in the desk over. And Victory's Anthem. They're both scheduled for Saturday. Ah, Rainbow. I haven't listened to them in years. Not since they replaced their first drummer. Cody didn't know what to say, and so fell silent as Jansen considered him. He had the distinct feeling he was being appraised. I myself planned to see Victory's Anthem. Their keyboardist was a friend of mine in high school. At this, Cody snapped his head up. Get out of town he breathed, and Jansen raised an eyebrow. I'm being quite serious. At the risk of sounding, as you young people say, hipster, I knew them before they were cool. Cody had trouble believing it. He'd heard of Victory's Anthem, all right. They'd been around for decades, influencing and innovating all over the goth music scene. The first CD he'd ever bought was one of theirs even though he listened to music almost exclusively through streaming sites and no longer owned a CD player. During his darkest times, it was Victory's Anthem who seemed to understand how he felt, and when he struggled through a difficult recovery from heart surgery earlier in the year, it was Victory's Anthem that told him he was not alone in the world. So lost was he in awe that he almost missed Jansen's next words. If you'd like, I could introduce you. Really? Cody asked and Jansen's lips twitched into a small smile. It would be my pleasure. There is a small restaurant close to the venue. I would, of course, happily treat you to dinner before the show. It was then that Cody's brain short-circuited. Was Jansen asking him on some sort of bizarre date? But despite the growing confusion and complete disbelief, the desire to meet Victory's anthem in person was strong enough that Cody found himself choking out an agreement. Sure, boss, he added for clarity's sake, and it caused Jansen to stiffen, but only for a second. Wonderful. I will see you then. And he went back to his office, leaving a stunned Cody in his wake. The general silence that had overtaken the room held for a few more seconds, but when the whispers and the chatter inevitably started up, Cody grabbed his oversized headphones again and shoved them over his ears. It didn't mean anything, he told himself. A random occurrence, a strange whim of his boss, probably a midlife crisis. Jansen would rethink this and decide not to show up. After all, who would want to spend their free time with Cody? Human Resources had spent a lot of time in Jansen's office since their general manager's new wardrobe change. But as Cody's style had long ago proved... The gothic look was not strictly against the dress code. The rumor that Jansen might or might not be dating one of his subordinates, however, that was a greater cause for concern. Although when Cody thought about it, he realized that had this been a sporting event, or anything more conventionally acceptable, no one would be batting an eye. In the end, it didn't seem all the attention would cause Jansen to face disciplinary action, or to even call off Saturday's date, for lack of a better term, but the HR representative still felt the need to subject them all to a meeting on romance within the workplace and sexual harassment. 
and then to top it off, privately inform Cody that he was free to speak confidentially with them about any issues he had in the workplace. It wasn't said in so many words, but apparently there was some concern that Jansen might give in to his wild vampiric ways and bury Cody in an alley somewhere. Judgmental as it was, Cody gave them the benefit of the doubt and assumed the intentions were good at heart. But this would not have been his first time dealing with human resources and his emotional happiness at work, and he'd found them in the past to be less than helpful. Also, Jansen's wife had passed through the office and hadn't seemed bothered in the slightest that her husband would be attending the graveside vigil with Cody. And since Jansen himself had gone back to comfortably ignoring him for the rest of the week, Cody didn't see much point in stirring up trouble. The truth was, he wanted to go to the concert. He'd never gone to a concert with a friend before, or gone anywhere else with one, for that matter, and he was eager for the experience. Even if he would be sharing that experience with a boss nearly twice his age who had possibly lost his mind. And so, Saturday came. As always, Cody put as much effort into his appearance as a young girl preparing for prom. At work, he was unorthodox, worthy of ridicule, but that was still a tame version. If his coworkers knew what he wore on the weekends, he probably wouldn't be able to show his face again. Which gave him pause. He was about to go meet his boss. Perhaps Cody would be wise to rein in his outfit a little. But no, this festival was his, a moment of freedom and oneness after a drought of isolation, and Jansen would not take that away from him. Besides, he could hardly meet Victory's anthem looking like a poser, could he? Cody pulled a black tunic over his similarly dark slacks and long sleeves. The tunic was simple plain, ordinary in every way. So was Cody. But the clothes were soft and comfortable, falling just above his knees and fitting perfectly with the androgynous look he liked. A silver chain, looped twice around his waist, completed the effect for him, and he began choosing jewelry and other accessories. He stopped on a pair of studded wristbands. They would fit the outfit perfectly, but what if for one day he didn't wear them? His wrists were always covered, always hidden, as he hid so many things in his life. But didn't he go to concerts like these to feel at ease with himself? If he didn't need to hide who he really was, didn't that mean he should be comfortable exposing his flaws as well? He almost felt he could do it, but then remembered Jansen would be there. Jansen, his boss, his terrifying, venerable, perfect boss. If he noticed. But then, the true sign of Cody's failure was not on his wrists, but his chest over his heart. And he hid so much of himself every day. Memories of a mistake, a surgery, a long recovery flooded his mind and strengthened his resolve. So he walked away from the wristbands and tried not to give it any more thought. He tied back his jet black hair wove some beads into the two braids, and applied a liberal amount of eyeliner and black lipstick before declaring himself ready and stepping out the door. He earned some strange looks as he caught a bus through town. He always had, even when he was young and his outer appearance matched everyone else's. He'd learned the hard way that he couldn't please the world. But that was fine. He was a timid, quiet creature still. 
but braver than he'd been in his youth, and he could endure some strange looks. And as the bus moved closer to the graveside vigil, Cody saw more and more concertgoers who looked like him, and that eased his mind somewhat. He let out a breath of relief, no longer alone in the universe. He found the restaurant Jansen had mentioned, more a diner, really, and waited under an awning for a sight of the man. It was a nice enough place, he decided as he waited. It fit a lot more with his image of Jansen, the office manager, whose only deviation from the expected suits and ties was his long hair, and even that was tied back and professional. He wasn't yet sure if this diner fit in with the new Jansen, or if the man would look more in place in a dimly lit Victorian-style restaurant. Cody mulled that over for a bit. He'd been waiting a little while. Was he that early, or had Jansen changed his mind? It wouldn't be the first time for Cody. And really, didn't his boss have better things to do than to spend the weekend with him? More and more, this was starting to feel like a cruel prank. And then he heard a voice behind him. Cody. Cody turned around, and his jaw dropped. Jansen had arrived, and appeared to be drowning in black fabric. Long robes with billowing sleeves, hiding a loose-fitting shirt and slacks, along with some black combat boots. Eyeliner, rings, and pendants. The man looked like some sort of medieval wizard. Cody found his manners again and greeted the man, who returned the sentiments warmly. I almost didn't recognize you, he said with a chuckle, which Cody thought to be far too ironic to bother acknowledging. He allowed himself to be guided to a table and then settled down for his first date. This was all very surreal. Hmm, what will you be ordering, Cody? Jansen asked as he perused the menu. Cody looked up to ask what his boss would recommend, but the words died when he saw Jansen's ear. On the upper tip, glinting in the warm diner light, was an earring. It looped around the shell of Jansen's ear, and delicate metal wound in a simple thin arc to the lower lobe, where a fragile chain dangled and connected back up to the top. Cody was so startled by the sight that he had to be prodded back to reality by Jansen. Cody? I didn't realize you had pierced ears, he managed to say before ducking his head. Jansen didn't seem to notice. Oh, they're not pierced, see? And he removed his entire earring to prove it. It simply clings to the outer shell. A local jeweler made it for me, as I'm deathly afraid of needles. I can't stand the sight of blood. Me too. I'm scared of blood, Cody offered, fascinated by the piece. Jansen paused as he returned the earring to its place. Really? he asked curiously. I didn't think you the type. And Cody tilted his head, not knowing what to say to that. Type? He was not prepared for the mortification that suddenly seemed to have come over Jansen. In truth, he was more surprised to see the man expressing an emotion than the emotion itself. Sir? Forgive me, I'm being inconsiderate, came the gentle reply. But when nothing followed that, Cody felt uncomfortable. They're fine for other people, I guess, but they're not a part of me, he explained, just to be saying something. I spent a lot of my time pretending to be something I wasn't and feeling incomplete. I guess the image of creating new voids in myself isn't so appealing. He trailed off when he caught Jansen's eyes, 
which seemed strangely compassionate. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring the conversation down, sir. And unusually vulnerable for him. Jansen just gave a sad smile. I don't mind, he said softly. And you can call me Ray, if you like. Cody tested it out in his head, decided he wasn't ready for that, and buried his head in the menu. The, um, salad looks good. Jansen just chuckled. It does indeed. During their meal, Cody felt Jansen's eyes on him, and while that itself wasn't uncomfortable, he did feel an increasing worry over what the man saw, the usual need to please overriding everything else. So, um, have you always been into goth music? He asked, trying to divert attention away from himself. Jansen chewed on a breadstick, not one crumb falling into his robes or beard. Cody had already managed to spill a drop of soup onto his lap before remembering that was why napkins existed. He was such a slob. I was very enamored with neoclassical and death rock in my youth, the man revealed, but I wouldn't say I was truly part of the community. After graduating from university, I admit I began to disassociate myself even more. I still listened to the music but I found that if one wants to be hired, it helps to dress the part. It seemed a small price to pay for my career goals, though I imagine most of my colleagues wouldn't have described me as orthodox. Well, especially not now, Cody put in, and Jansen laughed. No, they're quite at a loss of what to do with me. He laughed to himself. No matter. I don't plan on staying in that position much longer. This was news to Cody. Really? You're quitting? Jansen nodded. Eventually. I've not told anyone of my intentions yet, so I'd appreciate you keeping this to yourself for now, he said, and Cody quickly nodded. But I've decided I might like to go into business for myself, open a little bookshop, specializing in goth fiction and horror. Cody stared. You seem surprised. I... I've never seen this side of you before and that was honest enough. Hardly surprising, we rarely talk, Jansen said with a dismissive wave. And I know next to nothing about you, despite working in the same office for years. There's not much to know, sir. Ray, Cody corrected himself and ducked his head again. He felt the older man's eyes boring into his skull, as if trying to uncover his secrets. Cody suddenly wished he'd worn the wristbands after all. When Jansen next spoke, his voice was thick and heavy. You are rather exceptional at your work, you know. I don't believe I ever told you that. It's just data entry, Cody muttered. He'd never done well with compliments. No reason why, unless deep in his heart he knew he didn't deserve them. It's not really important. You're wrong, it's very important and something I depend on. He heard a rustle of fabric as Jansen sat back. I've often wondered why you've never expressed interest in a promotion. There have been several positions in the past where I thought you might do quite well. Cody doubted that, especially given his long medical absence that he'd taken at the beginning of the year. But it was nice of Jansen to say so. I'm happy where I am, sir. Are you really? 
and that voice was suddenly so full of buried emotion that Cody was forced to look up. I... His mouth was dry, and he grabbed for his water glass, regretting that at the last minute when his sleeve rode up an inch or two. He cursed in his mind and gulped down water to distract himself. I don't really see myself as anything else. Why? Because of how you look? Cody shook his head. Because someone told you that? Again, Cody shook his head. Then why? I just don't see much point, Cody said, not seeing how he'd ended up so blindsided and backed into a corner. He decided he might as well be honest. A promotion would mean some degree of leadership, and people don't respect me. Not just because of my fashion choices, but because I don't respect myself. His cheeks burned, even through his pale face powder. A leader can't inspire others if they don't believe in themselves. Maybe someday I'll be ready for something like that, but not now. Cody pursed his lips. It wouldn't end well, sir. Jansen was silent for a moment. Then, how can you improve if you don't stretch your limits a little? Cody didn't have a reply for that, and stayed silent. He wrung his hands in his lap, fingers ghosting over the grooves in his wrist, resisting the urge to scratch at them. Through it all, Jansen kept his silent gaze on him. Finally, Cody couldn't take it anymore. Why is this so important to you? I've been watching you for some time, was Jansen's reply, and Cody felt all the more uncomfortable. I have a lot of influence in the company. I'd be willing to recommend you for a higher position. Cody didn't know what to think. Was this a bribe? A threat? Jansen leaned forward, and Cody was scared to ask why there was such warmth in his eyes. To let you slip away would be a mistake. And what do you get out of this, sir? Cody asked, taking Jansen aback. Just your friendship. The man smiled, and Cody's guts twisted. You can call me Ray, remember? I'd rather not, Cody said, as cold as he could manage. He got to his feet, arms shaking and eyes stinging. He shouldn't have come. He didn't know what he'd been thinking accepting this invitation. Like a child lured with candy from a stranger, he'd fallen for the trap again. Another person smiled at him, made him feel special, and he followed them like a puppy, only to be left confused or made fun of or maybe tricked into something even worse. I'm sorry if I led you on. I'm not looking for a relationship right now or anything else. He gulped down some air and turned away from the table. Thank you for dinner. What? Wait, Cody. He was not even allowed the dignity of fleeing. Jansen caught him by the arm and spun him around. Cody couldn't bear to raise his head and so cowered in front of this massive redwood tree of a man. Surely there was nothing left to say. They were nothing to each other before. Cody wanted to be nothing in the future. Except he did. He did, he'd let himself believe for five seconds that maybe he had a friend he could talk to and go to screamo concerts with, and now he was going to cry in front of his boss, thanks to his own idiocy. Cody, I don't. There's nothing romantic about this. 
No. Dinner and the concert and you've been watching me? He trailed off, throat too thick to go further. He felt Jansen step closer to him, and he flinched. No, nothing of the sort. I... I have a son, about your age. Or, or at least, he would have been, about your age. Oh. Oh. Now Cody felt worse. Not only had he misread the situation and embarrassed himself, but someone finally showed interest in him, and it was about someone else. He could have died from the shame. He didn't realize he was crying until he heard Jansen's soft voice. Your makeup's running. Cody didn't dare reply, didn't dare look up, and the man finally sighed. Come on. He steered Cody towards the restroom, leaving him by the sink and returning to his sphere of awareness with some wet paper towels. Here, wipe your eyes. Cody obeyed, suddenly too weak to do anything else. What's wrong? Everything, Cody thought. But as soon as he tried to speak, his breath hitched and he gave up. So he just held the cool, wet paper towel over his nose and eyes and let it soothe the rapidly warming skin in that area, enough that maybe he would stop spewing out fluids like a child. I didn't mean to upset you, Jansen tried again. Cody just tried to breathe. His wrists itched. His heart ached. And inside, he felt sick and ashamed to be overreacting like this. It's fine, he whispered, even though it wasn't. He didn't think his voice would last for too many more words. But the silence was even worse. So he asked, What does this have to do with your son? Jansen flinched, and at first, Cody didn't think he'd answer. But then, the man spoke. My son, he was eighteen when he died. So like you. Smart. Giving. But loud, stars above, he was so loud. Always boisterous and rowdy, blasting techno at all hours. Couldn't stand the stuff, but... He trailed off, lost in memory. I thought we were so close. He was the pride of my life. We fought a lot the last few years, to be sure, but we always made up. I thought he talked about everything. Cody wiped around his eyes and didn't say anything. He just stared at the half-dead corpse he saw in the mirror. Undeterred, Jansen continued. Shortly after he left for college, I received word that he'd taken his own life. He'd always seemed so happy, so, so full of vitality, and I don't know what I missed, what signs I ignored. He fell into silence, and Cody set his jaw. I'm not your son. Jansen sighed. I know, I just and I don't need to be saved. He turned and faced his boss with a cold stare, until the man finally backed down. Of course you don't. They stood in silence for a few seconds, until Cody's chin began to tremble. I'm going home, sir. Thank you for dinner. You won't stay for the concert. Cody shook his head. No. Ah. 
Jansen looked crushed. I'm sorry I ruined it for you. It's fine. It wasn't the first time Cody had been stabbed in the heart. He took a step towards the door, then paused. I'm not fired, am I? Heavens no, Jansen said. No, I... Absolutely not. I'll expect you on Monday, then. Unless... Unless you'd prefer not to work together after this. I could arrange for one of us to be transferred. No, that that's fine. Cody was quick to assure. We can just go back to how it was. Yes, Jansen said miserably, and left it at that. Cody left, hailed a taxi, and hurtled back towards his apartment with relative numbness. His hand reached up to his heart, rubbing at the scar tissue there through layers of fabric. He felt so... overwhelmed? Used? It was hard to say. Cody had never been very good at identifying his feelings. That was part of his problem. He pulled out his phone for a distraction, but ended up getting drawn to his text messages, few as they were. The most recent was from Jansen, giving directions to the restaurant. He'd been so excited looking forward to the evening, and Jansen had seemed so sincere. But now it was all ruined. Cody couldn't be something he wasn't, not even to meet Victory's anthem, not even to finally have a friend or spend time with a father figure. But what if he didn't have to pretend, a thought presented itself. In a way, wasn't he just running from conflict? Running from himself? Running from other people in pain because he was scared of his own, even? Jansen's earlier words returned. How can you improve if you don't stretch your limits? It pricked at Cody's heart, igniting feelings and a desperation he thought he'd long since buried. But, Cody determined, dialing Jansen's number before he could stop himself, he was much braver than he'd been before. He waited for the man to pick up, palms sweating, and nearly dropped the phone when he finally got an answer. Yes? You liking Death Rock and the sudden wardrobe change? That's not a lie, is it? Cody demanded, uncharacteristically forceful. It wasn't some elaborate scheme to get close to me, was it? No, Jansen replied, and he sounded honest enough. Our similar interests are a coincidence. Mostly. Mostly. I don't imagine I would have had the courage to go so far against the norm in my dress if you hadn't had the courage to do it first. Honestly, I've been a bit jealous of you since you arrived. That was a surprise, but it spurred Cody on. And you knowing Victory's anthem, was that real? Yes. I wasn't trying to trick you into anything. Cody took a deep breath. Meet me at the entrance to the show. You promised me a backstage visit. I'm not leaving without that. Okay, Ray? Jansen was silent for a moment, then all but whispered back, I'll see you there. Good. I'm about ten minutes out, Cody informed, then hung up and asked the cab driver to turn around. He leaned back in the seat and exhaled. Maybe this was a terrible idea, or maybe it would be the best night of his life. Whatever the case, it was time to stretch his limits. End of part one. 
Thank you for listening to part one of Pierce. I hope you enjoyed it. My speech at the beginning might have been overdoing it a little, but I, I don't want to risk people wandering into something they weren't ready for without a little bit of warning. But thank you for listening. Um, if you enjoyed it and want to make sure that you get the next episode delivered straight to your device, you should head on over to iTunes and search for Professional Dork Storytelling and subscribe. Rate and review so other people can find us. And the second and final part of Pierce will end up right downloaded to you. No effort on your part. You can also visit professionaldorkpodcast.blogspot.com where all of the odd-numbered episodes are kept, and I've been slowly updating uh, the past archive. And of course, every alternate week, I post an episode for the patrons on Patreon, patreon.com slash professionaldork. You get double the amount of episodes every month, and considering we're over halfway through the year, it's starting to get quite a backlog now. Patreon just added a brand new tagging system, so I'll be going back and tagging all the old episodes so it's easier for people to search through the feed and find them. But $2 a month is all it takes to support this show and also get these extra episodes. So if you enjoy these tales, I hope you'll consider that. Keep the lights on and buy replacement microphones from time to time over here at HQ. Um, but most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time.